0: Good morning. It's so good to be back with you, even though we're back together virtual, right? Even though I'm looking at a camera, I have memories of this place, of, of the last number of years of being here, of experiencing the hospitality and your encouragement. And I'm very grateful for this community. All right, thank you so much for your support of Royal City Mission. Not just the finances, which are amazing and we're thankful for, but for your prayer and for your thoughts. We could not possibly do what we do without you guys. So thank you so much for that. But of course, what we do right now is very different than what we did six months ago, just like uh, having virtual services is very different. But things continue to change and they will continue to change for us into the fall, probably into the winter. Right now we're, we're serving two meals a day at 11 and six. And we're working with other organizations to make sure that happened. We see about between 50 and 80 people each meal. And we've also opened a cooling center to help those who have no shelter have a place to go uh, during the hot hours of the day uh, and to be comfortable to get out of the weather and have something cold to drink and, and even use a washroom. I mean, sometimes we forget that those simple basic needs don't happen for those that have no shelter. But to be honest, I'm desperately missing the connection, and I'm sure you all are too, right? That connection that happens over our meals. But for now, we just connect briefly in in the lines as people come and pick up a to-go meal and take it home. But we are thankful that we can even do that, and we're thankful that, that you participate in that with us. We do, however, see the damage that is caused by socially distancing, especially in those people who have been socially distanced well beyond COVID. This morning I've chosen to talk on Psalm 10, and you'll probably see why. Let me read it to you this morning. I'm reading from the ESV. Why, O Lord, do you stand far away? Why do you hide yourself in times of trouble? In arrogance, the wicked hotly pursue the poor. Let them be caught in the schemes that they have devised. For the wicked boasts of the desires of his soul, and the one greedy for gain curses and renounces the Lord. In the pride of his face, the wicked does not seek him. All his thoughts are, there is no God. His ways prosper at all times. Your judgments are on high, out of his sight. As for all his foes, he puffs at them. He says in his heart, I will not be moved. Throughout all generations, I shall not meet adversity. His mouth is filled with cursing and deceit and oppression under his tongue are mischief and iniquity. He sits in ambush in the villages in hiding places. He murders the innocent. His eyes stealthily watch for the helpless. He lurks in ambush like a lion in his thicket. He lurks that he may seize the poor. He seizes the poor, then he draws him into his net. The helpless are crushed, sink down and fall by his might. He says in his heart, God has forgotten. He has hidden his face he will never see it. Arise, O God, arise, O Lord. O God, lift up your hand. Forget not the afflicted. Why does the wicked renounce God and say in his heart, you will not call it to account? But you do see, for you know mischief and vexation, that you may take it into your hands. To you, the helpless commits himself. You have been the helper of the fatherless. Break the arm of the wicked and the evildoer. Call his wickedness to account till you find none. The Lord is king forever and ever. The nations perish from this land. O Lord, you hear the desires of the afflicted. You will strengthen their heart. You will incline your ear to do justice to the fatherless and to the oppressed so that man who is of earth may strike terror no more. And may God add understanding and blessing to his word this morning. This Psalm is interesting because It's spoken from the bottom right the voice that is usually silenced is given freedom to speak right even when it seems that the powerful are speaking it's still from the point of view of the weak when the wicked say there is no god and i shall not be moved and god has forgotten it's still being pointed out from the weak and i find this truly beautiful a psalm about the plight of the oppressed that is spoken in their voice the usual loud noise of the powerful, of the prestigious, is silenced here so that we can hear the injustice of the poor, of the hurting. And I wonder, as I think that, how often do I shut up and listen? If this type of advocacy happens in the songbook of God's people, I wonder if it shouldn't happen more for us today. This has been a personal conviction of mine for some time. Yeah, we find people and try to meet their spiritual and physical needs, but how do I as an individual, and how do we as community, the body of Christ, stand up and add our voices to the ones who aren't heard? Or better yet, how do we get out of the way and let them speak? I have been convicted personally that I haven't been listening. Oh, yeah, I've heard, but have I listened? I know that the way that I spend my finances affects the poor. And yet, do I change my spending habits? Do I support businesses that pay fairly, who treat their employees and the earth with respect and dignity? And I know that using gas-powered vehicles affects the poorest the most. And yet, do I change my mode of transportation? And while those things might not seem like great evil, I do not want my voice to be connected with the voice of the wicked that we see in verses three to nine. And in these verses, the wicked, their thoughts are exposed here, right? Normally these thoughts would be hidden. They wouldn't say them out loud. You might see these thoughts in their actions if you took time to look. But the voice of the weak and the advocate of the weak exposes the hearts of the wicked here. Let me read it to you again. This, the verses three to nine. In the pride of his face, the wicked man does not seek him. All his thoughts are there is no God. His ways prosper at all times. Your judgments are on high, out of his sight. As for all his foes, he puffs at them. He says in his heart, I shall not be moved. Throughout all generations, I shall not meet adversity. His mouth is filled with cursing and deceit and oppression. Under his tongue are mischief and iniquity. He sits in ambush in the villages. In hiding places, he murders the innocent. His eyes stealthily watch for the helpless. He lurks in ambush like a lion in his thicket. He lurks that he may seize the poor. He seizes the poor when he draws them into his net. It's very sad to me that today some of these things are so accepted that they don't even need to hide these thoughts or their actions. That greed has become the goal, the aim. Make as much as you can, charge as much as you can. But we know that when this becomes the goal, that those at the bottom suffer. Voice's commentary says this, we are impressed at how often the, the wicked speech of men, which is often today regarded as no sin at all, is regarded as sin in the Psalms. The voice of the wicked sounds in sharp contrast to the picture that we see of the early church, the body of Christ, in Acts 2, and having favor with all the people. And the Lord added to their number, day by day, those who were being saved. What a contrast, right? Let's just look a little bit about these, these, some of these wicked things. First thing is they say there is no God. What evil can be, What great evil can be done when we don't believe that God cares about the needs of those who are struggling? or That he doesn't care even about creation and sometimes we don't say this out loud but again there's things that we do that our actions say there is no god and he says i shall not be moved throughout all generations i shall not meet adversity you hear pride right i shall not be moved i am a mountain i am sufficient and then you hear i shall not meet adversity he isolating himself from problems themselves from problems right One of my friends says, money can't buy happiness, but it can buy a jet ski. You probably know the ending. You've never seen anybody on a jet ski that wasn't happy. But that's just insulation, right? Insulating from your problems and issues. And we see Jesus teaching against this in Luke, in Luke 12, right? He says to them, take care and be on your guard against all covetousness. For one's life does not consist in the abundance of his possessions. And he told them a parable saying, the land of a rich man produced plentifully. And he thought to himself, what shall I do? For I have nowhere to store my crops. And he said, I will do this. I will tear down my barns and build larger ones. And there I will store all my grain and and my goods. And I will say to my soul, soul you have ample goods laid up for many years. Relax, eat, drink, and be merry. But God said to him, fool, this night your soul is required of you and the things you have prepared, whose will they be? So this is the one who lays up treasure for himself and is not rich towards God. We hear the wicked one sits in ambush in the villages, in the hiding places he murders the innocent. His eyes stealthily watch for the helpless. He lurks like ambush, in ambush like a lion in his thicket. He lurks that he may seize the poor. He seizes the poor when he draws them into his net. And I couldn't help think of the poor, of the broken being drawn into a net as a problem today for us, human trafficking, pornography. I don't know how much you know about the pornography industry, but it makes more money than the NFL, the NBA, and the major baseball league put together. And much of it is based on human trafficking. It's sad because we see these things in our world today, the wicked, they're successful. And because the powerful take, 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 and systems reward them for it, the poor begin to lose hope. In this psalm, it says, the helpless are crushed. They sink down and fall by his might. And when I read this, I remind it of people that I love and spend time with, people who are trafficked and they can't see any way out of the situation. They feel like this is all their life is for, to be an object, to be dominated, and for others' gratification. And I'm reminded of friends who struggle with drugs or alcohol, and in fact, the the reason that they struggle and have this struggle is because they are feeling crushed. There are no easy answers. This is why we need to cry out with the psalmist, why do you hide yourself in times of trouble? And it's easy to sit back and point at the wicked in this psalm and condemn them, judge them, And yet I know that I participate in systems, in economics that keep the wicked in power and the weak oppressed. And to me, it's really important that I identify with the wicked because it helps me, first of all, realize that there are things that I need to change. And there's lots to change. And the second thing is, is it gives me grace for those that I see participating in these systems and in these problems. It gives me grace for the wicked. Walter Brueggemann says in The Spirituality of the Psalms, Violent action, manipulative speech, and nullification of God work together to permit a certain kind of social world in which the powerful are free to do what they want for their own interest. This convergence is not an occasional act of brutality, but is a systemic, ideological practice of perverse social relationship. The violent acts and manipulative speech are possible only when social reality is reduced to just two unequal partners. When there are only two, the weak have no chance against the ruthless strong. That's what we're seeing here in the psalm. Seems to be no God, right? But at the end of the psalm, we see Yahweh's presence. We see it come into being. And I love the imagery here, right? It points for me, it points directly to Jesus. The weak are oppressed and the strong don't see God and continue to take advantage of, of their power so much so that the weak begin to feel crushed and they lose sight of God themselves. Then the justice of God is given flesh. The psalm says, O Lord, you hear the desires of the afflicted. You will strengthen their heart. You will incline their ear to do justice to the fatherless and the oppressed. What happens when God's justice takes on flesh? We see this in Jesus, right? Sins are forgiven. The oppressed are freed. And the oppressor's eyes are opened right we have to know that the oppressors the wicked ones they themselves are oppressed right the very things that they desire power money possessions possess them so much that they can't find peace that's why the man built barn after barn to fill it to fill it they seek after gods that can never satisfy them in luke 4 jesus quotes from isaiah He says, the spirit of the Lord is upon me because he has anointed me to proclaim good news to the poor. He has sent me to proclaim liberty to the captives and recovering of sight to the blind, to set at liberty those who are oppressed and to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor. And he said, today the scripture has been fulfilled in your reading. This is what it looks like when God shows up, right? Freedom, release of debts, the blind see. And I wonder if we are included in the blind seeing and even the oppressors. Those of us that don't see how our actions affect others, how they negatively affect those who are struggling, and the oppressors who don't understand that, how bad their actions are for others. But to me, this is what happens when Jesus shows up, right? Both the pimp and the sex worker are released. The debtor and the creditor are both released. If the writer of this poem has the audacity to ask where god is in the midst of this injustice to the poor i wonder what our response should be how can we like jesus turn the tables right how can we turn the tables of mammon of money things that oppress people keep people down and i have some thoughts for me that i'll share they're my thoughts and they're things that i'm doing but i pray that god will convict you and and Change your thoughts and, and give you uh, creative ways of doing this. First thing is, I research the places that I'm shopping, where I spend my money, how I spend my money. But the reality is, I can do all of that, and there's many things I can do. But we need to listen to the voices of those who are struggling. Right? This is one of the reasons why RCM exists as a place to hear, as a place to put a face to the voices of the struggling, of the hurting, of the broken, to put a face to, the, to those who are hurt by our spending habits, hurt by our transportation habits, hurt by the way we treat the earth. It isn't just a place for people who need food. We just have realized that we need each other, right? For several years, my dad came and volunteered with us at, at Royal City Mission. And he was, let's say he was over 70. And every time he was there, he played cards with a group of people who shared their lives with him. And one night, I drove him home and he was talking about how much he loved his time with these people. And he said something I'm never going to forget. He said, I never really understood Jesus' teaching on money until I spent time with people who didn't have it. To me, that's beautiful. The contact, the connection, And I would even say the presence of God likely changed both parties. It didn't just change the person who was struggling, it changed Dad. And this has been true for my time at Royal City Mission. I'm coming up on 10 years in January. And God is continually showing me the places in my heart that I need to change, my habits that I need to change. And now maybe you don't need to change, maybe your heart is good, but I do. I do again and again and again and again and I'm thankful that God shows up in the forms of many people I see each day. One thing that I've been wondering if we could do as a church, as a, as a larger group, has to do with how people are given money. It's funny that at, at the beginning of COVID, people who began to lose their jobs were given an amount of money to survive each month, and that amount of money was $2,000. So people who have been working and need to survive, are, it's deemed that they need $2,000 to live a month. And yet people who are deemed unable to work for for the rest of their lives are given about half of that, $1,100 a month. What if we as the church stood up for things like this, for, for basic guaranteed minimum income or guaranteed minimum income? And what about opening our homes to those who don't have them or about sharing our finances with someone who can't afford the rent. There's both um, systemic change that we could make but also personal changes. O Lord, you hear the desire of the afflicted. You will strengthen their heart. You will incline your ear to do justice to the fatherless and the oppressed so that man who is of the earth may strike terror no more. How does Yahweh's presence show up in our lives? Isn't it most often in his people Right? When you're sick and someone drops off food for you or your family. When you are struggling with a bill and you find an envelope with money in the mailbox. And I believe this is true for those who are oppressed too, right? Those that are hurting, those that are lonely. The way Yahweh shows up is in you and in me. And that may seem scary, right? Often I hear, I don't know what to say, I don't know what to do, I don't have the answers. Those are good concerns, but the reality is most often there are no answers, right? But what is important is presence. And we see that in this psalm. When God's presence is not there, the wicked are able to continue to oppress. You know, I've often had people come and thank me for, for something I've done, for some problem that I've solved. And I think as I think back on it, I gave them no answers. Gave them no real help. I was simply available. This is one of the biggest issues that COVID has has caused is the disruption to connection and presence. And so many people are in need of presence. And right now, presence is difficult. So you need to be creative in how you be present to people. But my prayer for you, Courtright, is that you will continue to be present in this neighborhood, in your garden, in your places of work, virtual or online or live, sorry, and that you will experience the presence of God deep within. Let me end with a blessing that sums this up very well. It's a Franciscan blessing. May God bless you with discomfort at easy answers, half-truths, and superficial relationships, so that you may live deep within your heart. May God bless you with anger at injustice, oppression, and exploitation of people, so that you may work for justice, freedom, and peace. And may God bless you with tears to shed for those who suffer from pain, rejection, starvation, and war, so that you may reach out your hand to comfort them and turn their pain to joy. And may God bless you with enough foolishness to believe that you can make a difference in this world so that you can do what others claimed cannot be done. Amen.